Hello everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, inviting you to stay tuned for these next 25 or 30 minutes or so of Bible study, fellowship, and today a special message from the Word of God. We're so glad to have you tuned in today, whether you're listening by way of radio on the Go Mix Radio Network and the 10 frequencies that are sending out that signal all across eastern North Carolina and Southside Virginia. Perhaps you're listening by social media uh, through the podcast or Facebook or whatever, whatever your mode of listening. We're so proud to have you a part of the uh, Pathlight, uh, Pathlight family today. Hope this holiday season is going well for you as we usher in the Christmas season. We're so glad to uh, have this season of the year that we set aside to commemorate, to honor, to remember the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, we're going to be speaking on that theme right now in just a few moments entitled, Made in the Likeness of Men. Made in the Likeness of Men. But just before today's message, I've been sharing with you some instrumental music from our Serene Radio Network, and I encourage you to check it out right now. Instrumentally, it's called Silent Night. Thank you. 
If you enjoy Christmas instrumental music, let me mention to you the Serene Radio Network. And uh, over the holiday season, they're playing exclusively instrumental Christmas uh, songs. And I would encourage you to check it out if you've never done so. Sometimes you just want to relax. A lot of people listen to that before they uh, retire for the evening or perhaps they're wanting to enjoy a moment of solitude and peace throughout the day. And they just uh, just turned it on. It's hard to find good instrumental music. And believe me, I know that because we had a hard time finding it as we were putting together the playlist for Serene. There's just not a lot of that on. Remember, you Years ago, there used to be some easy listening, beautiful music stations is what they were called. Well, you don't get many of those anymore, but uh, we do have Serene, and I want to encourage you to check it out. Now, there's several ways you can do that, but one of the best ways of checking that out is to is to go to the GoMix Christian Radio website. Go to the website there, gomixradio.org, middle way of the page. You'll find some options of listening. Certainly you can listen to the regular Go Mix channel, Go Mix Gold, if you happen to like uh, older Southern gospel music, or Serene is an option for you also. And I want to encourage you to check that out if you get a chance. I believe it'll bless your heart if you particularly like that kind of music. Uh, I'm not much of a singer. I'm not Actually, I'm not a singer at all. So maybe that's why I enjoy instrumental music, because I can kind of sing along with it, and uh, whether I'm t- singing to myself or whatever, but uh, it's kind of a joy. But anyway, I wanted to share that with you, and that was one of the selections today, Silent Night, that's on the Serene playlist. This morning, I want to take us to Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, and of course refers to the Lord Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now, I want to do something a little differently this morning. I want to actually dissect that verse word for word pretty much and take a look at that, how it relates to our Lord Jesus Christ and specifically how it relates to this holiday holiday season. I began by that verse uh, saying, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That means he was willingly willingly uh, able and, and willing to step down from his position in glory. Now, I'm not saying he laid aside his deity. He did not do that. I'm just simply saying he left that joy and comfort of heaven, that fellowship one-on-one with the Father that he enjoyed, and he came down and assumed the likeness of sinful flesh on this earth. And sometimes I think we we forget the sacrifice that was involved in that. Certainly Jesus sacrificed much during his life, being totally uh, exemplified by the cross. But even coming to this earth in the first place was certainly a sacrifice, and that's what the Bible is teaching us there. here. At this time of the season, this time of the year, believers all over the world celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And of course, his birth, one of the greatest miracles that's ever occurred. And it was, it was a moment when God Almighty, God Almighty hid His glory and appeared on this earth as a man. How, how wonderful it is to think that God would temporarily shed His divine appearance and actually take on the flesh of a man. Yet this is precisely what happened the day Jesus was born in Bethlehem, or maybe I should say it actually happened at his conception nine months prior to Bethlehem. We find Jesus Christ taking on human 
flesh. And that's what we read about in Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7. And in that section of Scripture, Paul begins by describing the pre-existence of Jesus before he came into the earth as a man. He said, who being in the form of God. Now, the word being there, I said we were going to do a bit of a word study, so, so stick with me today. The word being is a translation of the Greek word meaning the first, the original, or the ancient. In other words, he was in the form of God. It depicts something as it has always existed. Now, being is, uh, we, we use that word uh, kind of uh, carelessly today without thinking about it. You ask your kids, are, are you being good or, 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 are you, or are you being kind or whatever the case might be? But being is a word, being. In other words, as you be, that is the way you are and that is the way you have been. Being describes the, the state in which you are or the state that you've always existed. Now, by using this key word that means to, well, really means to eternally exist. Paul is declaring that Jesus had no beginning, but always existed. In other words, being, he be always, and I realize that's incorrect grammar, but that is really what it says. Being means be always or being always. This also explains Jesus' statement when he declared before Abraham was I am in John chapter 8 and verse number number 58. Thus, Philippians 2.6 could be translated, who eternally existing in the form of God. In other words, Jesus' human birth in Bethlehem was not his beginning, but merely his manifestation to man. A brief appearance in his eternal existence. Eternity is a long time. And that little pinprick on eternity that where Jesus walked upon this earth for 30-some years is just but a minuscule part of his existence, of his existence. Paul writes that Jesus always existed, and he says here, in the form of God, who being in the form of God. The word form is the Greek word morph. Uh, you're familiar with the term metamorphosis, all right? Form is morph, the word morph. Uh, the word describes an outward form, which means that Jesus' preexistence, in his preexistence, he looked just like God. He was not just a component of God, nor a symbol of God, nor a part of God. In reality, he was God. And as the eternal God himself, Jesus possessed the very shape and appearance of God. Now, God is a spirit. I understand that. So maybe shape and appearance is more human terminology. But what I'm saying, Jesus was God. Jesus looked like God, a form that includes great splendor, glory, power, and a presence that's so strong that no flesh could endure it. Now, if you remember, Moses desired to see God. God Moses said, I, I want to see you. God said, it can't be done. You cannot behold my glory and live. You can't do that. And, and uh, you, you say, well, I, I don't understand that. You ought to be able to look at anything you want to look at. Well, let, let, let me ask you this. If you go outside on a cloudless day, can you look at the sun? Can you, can, can you just stand there and gaze at the sun directly, make direct eye, co uh, eye, eye contact and, and study and look at the sun for, for, for five minutes or ten minutes or one minute? No, you can't. You can't. As a matter of fact, if you do it long enough, it will blind you. And that is just the sun. 
That's, that, that is d- just an orb of light, small in, in its nature with other suns that are in the universe, we understand. That's just an orb of light created by God. God has far more glory than the sun, far brighter than the sun. So that's why he told Moses, you can't look at me and live. You, you can't. You just, you just can't do it. Likewise, we could not look at God and live. So God came down to this earth in a form that we could look upon. God existed in glory, more wonderful, more majestic than the human mind can comprehend, and more powerful than human flesh can endure. Yet he desired to come to earth to purchase redemption for man. Therefore, God had no choice but to reclothe himself in a manner that could be tolerated by man. That's why he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. That is the true story of Christmas. The true story of Christmas. The phrase, made himself of no reputation, comes from the Greek word kinos, which means to make empty, because it was impossible for God to appear to man as God. He had to change his outward form. The only way he could make this limited appearance as a man was to willfully, deliberately, and temporarily cease to display the glory and majesty That was his. So for 33 years on this earth, God hid his heavenly glory and took upon him the form of a servant. He hid his fame in an earthly frame, as Dr. Harold Wilmington used to say. Picture a a, a simple illustration. Maybe you've got a battle going on, a war going on, and you've got your soldiers up on the front line, and you've got a general in the back, and he's he's back there handling all the strategy and 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 uh, sending troops where they need to be sent, and, and 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 making sure the artillery and the supplies and everything are there to take care of the men. But maybe, but you know, generals typically don't go to the front line of a battle. There's too much danger of them getting caught by the enemy or or perhaps killed in battle. They usually stay behind. So what if a general one day said, I, I want to go to the front line, and, they, and, and his aide said, you, you, you can't do that. You, you, you know, that, 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 that is not a prudent thing for you to do. But maybe the general decided, no, I'm, go, I'm going to put on a different garment. I'm going to put on the garment of a private or a corporal or a sergeant, and I'm going to the front line. All right? Now, he doesn't cease to be a general. But he does hide that. He does hide that so he can go out and to the front line with the soldiers, see how they're doing, better assess the situation. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's what Jesus did. He didn't cease to be the general, but he put upon him a garment, a garment of a servant, took upon him the form of a servant, it says in Philippians 2, 7. He came so he could come down to you and I. He hid the insignia of his majesty, if you will. The outward visible manifestation of God changed when Jesus came to this earth so that we could behold him. The phrase took upon him perfectly describes that marvelous moment when God reached out to lay hold on human flesh and took upon himself so that he might appear as a man on the earth. The words, again, took upon him are from the, are from the Greek word mean, uh, meaning lambano. Lambano is a word which means to take, to seize, to catch, to latch on to, to grasp. The word lets us know that God literally reached out from his eternal existence and reached into the material world he had created and took human flesh upon himself 
and human flesh in the form in the form of a servant. Now the word form is something you're familiar with because we read that a moment ago. In this phrase, it's exactly the same word that describes Jesus being in the form of God. We first read he was in the form of God. Now it says he took on the form of a servant. It's the Greek word again more if we read about it a moment ago. He had the form of God. Now he takes on the form of a servant. It means that just as Jesus in his preexistent form had all the outward appearance of God, now Jesus existed in the exact form of a man, appearing and living on this earth in exactly the same way as any other man. For a brief time in his eternal existence, Jesus, who was God in every way, also became man in every way. He was still God, 100% God and 100% man. You say, Pastor, that mathematically doesn't make any sense. No, it probably doesn't. But nevertheless, that is the truth. I, I, there's so many things in life. I don't, I, you know, most people don't understand how a microwave works, but we still use the thing. We don't understand this concept of how it could be. He was just as much God as if he were not man, and he was just as much man as if he were not God. He became man in every way. And he was God in every way. Not only did God become man, but he took upon him the form of a servant. That's the Greek word doulos, which refers to a slave. I think Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is purposely using that word. Paul uses a word to picture the vast difference between Jesus' preexistent state and his earthly life. From a position of glory... Glory in the very throne room of God, and he came to this earth as a slave. Dr. Oliver Green used to preach a message from the guttermost to the uttermost, referring to his salvation. Jesus went from the uttermost to the guttermost so that he could take you and I from the guttermost to the uttermost. Paul goes on to say that Jesus was made in the likeness of men. The phrase was made is very interesting here. It's a, it's a Greek word which means to become, <clears throat> indicating that this was not. Jesus' original form, but it became his new form. In other words, Jesus was not a new person, not a creation made from scratch, not, not some manifestation. You know, you say, well, well, why did God send Jesus? He could have just, of the dust of the ground, formed another Jesus and, and had him die. Or he could have made a, a twin for Jesus. Couldn't he have done that? And that way Jesus wouldn't have had to die. No, no, this was not a different person. It was not a new creation. The phrase was made means he became, indicating it was not his original form, but it became his new form, like the, uh, the, 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 uh, the verse that deals with the pottery. The, the pottery is, is fashioned a little differently here in this particular, but it's the same clay, and it's the same potter doing the molding. It clearly describes the miracles that occurred when God became a man. Adam was made of dust. Eve was made from Adam's rib. Jesus was made of, of, of God. Jesus had always existed in the form of God, not in the form of man, but taking upon himself human flesh. He was formed in the womb of the Virgin Mary and, of course, became, became a man. God literally took upon himself the likeness of man. The word likeness in the Greek is, is the Greek word refers to a form or resemblance. It refers not only to Jesus being made in the visible likeness of men, but also in the human likeness of men. In other words, when Jesus appeared on this earth, he didn't just look like a man. He was a man. He was a man in every way. And as a man, that means that he who created every drop of water that's ever been on this planet could be thirsty. He who created every, every morsel of food that's ever been on this planet 
could be hungry. He, he could be tired. He could be weary. He could experience pain as he did on many occasions and especially, especially at the cross. Jesus was so completely made in the likeness of men that Hebrews 4, 5 declares he even was tested in every way that men are tested. It says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Jesus never yielded to temptation as being God. He never entertained the temptation, but he did go through the process just as you and I. Now, now we see that when the devil came to test him in the wilderness. You remember that? Now, Jesus had to give mental assent to what the devil was saying to answer his questions. In other words, the devil said, you're going to starve out here. Why don't you command these stones to be made bread? Now, Jesus had to say, make the stones bread. He had to go through that process just like you and I. I could make the stones bread. Yes, I, I, I am hungry. I could turn them into bread. I could do that. No, 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 I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not saying Jesus entertained it, but I'm saying he had to go through the thought process to answer the day. He said, no, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God shall man live. You and I go through the same thing. We are tempted by the devil or the world or the flesh or whatever it might be. And we go through that same process. Well, yeah, I, I, I guess I could do that. You know, and it might even be fun to do that. But wait a minute. No, no, I, I can't do that. That would be wrong. We go through that mental process. Jesus, Jesus goes through that like a man yet without sin in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. He never yielded to temptation as being God. He never entertained the temptation, but he did go through the process just like you and I. So we see that when God the Father sent his Son to the world, Jesus left his heavenly home, took upon himself human flesh, and became. And because of this great exchange, he has stood in our place. He has felt what we feel. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities, and he intercedes for us with great compassion and understanding as a high priest because he has been here. He's faced betrayal. He's faced the death of a loved one. He's faced rejection. He's faced being lied about. He's faced being charged unjustly. He's faced all these things just like you and I, and he's faced pain just like you and I. At this time of the year, we're prone to think of Jesus as a little baby in a manger in a Bethlehem stable, and certainly that is true. Never forget that. Never forget that. But we should also never forget that Bethlehem was not the beginning of Jesus Christ. His conception nine months earlier was not the beginning of Jesus Christ. It was merely a brief appearance in his eternal, eternal existence. Out of his deep love for you and I, Jesus was willing to leave his majestic realms of glory to enter the realm of humanity, restraining and hiding all of his visible attributes that were too much for man's flesh to endure. He dressed himself in the tabernacle of, of a human being and was manifested in the flesh. That little baby in Bethlehem was the eternal, ever-existence God Almighty who dressed himself in human form so that he could dwell among men and ultimately purchase our salvation. God's great love for us drove him to come down to our level. Think about that. What caused him to do that? It was love. 
That, that is the only power strong enough to cause him to do that out of his great love for us. He left glory out of his great love for us. He assumed the likeness of sinful flesh out of his great love for us. He walked upon this planet, although certainly not welcome here, out of his love for us. He died on the cross out of his love for us. He rose, he ascended, he intercedes for us right now. Why? Out of his great love for us. And one day we will all who have received him as Lord and Savior will be presented faultless before the, the Father through the merits of Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Why? Out of his great love for us, for God so loved the world. When Paul started the text we read a moment ago, there was a verse at the beginning. We started reading in Philippians 2 and verse number 6. But the verse before that I did not read, and I have saved that to read it now. Because I wanted to tell you exactly what was going on in, in this text. I wanted to tell you what was going on here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. But now, let's look at, at verse, number, verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You see, God wants us to have the same mind or attitude that was demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus was willing to go this incredible distance to reach to us, to love us, to redeem us, we should desire to do the same for others. And Christmas is a wonderful time to do that. Because that becomes one of the primary messages of Christmas, does it not? We should be willing to divest ourselves of Maybe some of our privileges, such as the convenience and comfort of a self-consumed life, and do whatever we can to reach out and help others, because that's what Jesus did for us, and He calls us to do the same for others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Let this mind also be in you and I. We've been speaking today on the subject in the likeness of men, made in the likeness of men, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope today's lesson has been a blessing to you. Hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank you for tuning into our programs week by week. If they're a blessing to you, we'd enjoy hearing from you. Be sure to tell your friends. If, if you've got a friend that might enjoy this particular program, you say, well, it's too late. I was listening on the radio. It's over now. Yeah, I guess it is. But check out Facebook. Go Mix Radio Facebook site. You'll find it there. Or there's a podcast. Go to uh, the Pathlight podcast. You'll find it there. Until next time, T.D. Worthington say, may God richly bless you as my prayer. You have a wonderful holiday season as you celebrate with your family, with your loved ones, in the name of the Lord. God bless. God bless.